0: As you're being seated, if you'll open your Bible or turn it on to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, let me ask you this question. What are you afraid of? You, being a Texan, probably say, well, Lash, I ain't afraid of nothing. I'm not afraid of nothing. I'm a Texan, you know, and I, I get that, but the reality is, is that we're all afraid of something. Uh, Dr. Michael Reese has put together a list of 10 things that people are often Afraid of number 10 on the list is thunder and lightning. Anybody afraid of thunder and lightning? Uh, number nine on the list is dogs. I used to have a dog who was afraid of thunder and lightning. <laughs> terrifying dog, you know, our terrified dog. Number eight on the list is mice. poor Mickey. Uh, number seven is enclosed spaces. You feel like the walls are closing in on you. By the way, if you don't like big crowds. Uh, you can always come to the 11 o'clock service because we have a lot more seats than 11 o'clock, so just just letting you know that. Uh, Number six, spiders and insects. Number five, flying. In reality, you shouldn't be afraid of flying. You should be afraid of crashing, right? Yeah. Number four, snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? Yeah. Number three on the list, going to the dentist. Does that scare anybody? Yeah. Uh, Number two. Heights. Again, rather than heights, you should be afraid of falling. And number one on the list was public speaking. So what I'm doing right now terrifies some people in the world. Actually, what you're more scared of is a long sermon, right? That's what you're really really terrified. Well, there's one obvious thing to me that is missing from this list that people are most often afraid of, and that is people. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of what they might do to us. We find ourselves living life only halfway because we are afraid of people. And the difference between our fear of people and these other fears on this list is that whenever we find ourselves succumbing to fear of people, it can be very, very damaging. It can keep you from being the person that God created you to. To be. So look with me to Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. In these circumstances, a crowd of many thousands came together, so that they were trampling on one another. And he began to say to his disciples first, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So we see here three groups in these verses we see, first of all, the crowds. At this point in Jesus' ministry, the crowd was swelling to the point here in this verse where many thousands of people are coming together to hear Jesus. And they are so enthusiastic and so zealous to get close to Him that they are literally trampling over one another. But they had a problem, and that was that the crowd was desiring Jesus, not as a Savior, but they were seeking Jesus for what they could get from Him. And so Jesus often lamented. The crowds would come to Him, they would listen to Him, but what they were really after was the miracle. They were after the feeding of the 5,000 or the healing of the blind or the sick, and so he began to lament that though the crowds would come, they weren't really after who he was. They were after what he could give them. Now, secondly, within this group, there's the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a small but toxic group of people. They despised Jesus. They were actively scheming together for His death. Now, the problem was that Jesus threatened their control. Particularly, He threatened their control over the crowds. And the Pharisees needed the crowds to fear them and to do what they said so that the Pharisees could remain in power. And then there was a third group in this verse, and that's, the disciples. And so before addressing the crowds, before talking to the Pharisees, Jesus says to the disciples these words Be on your guard. Watch out, there's danger ahead. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, when Jesus said to them, Be on your guard against the yeast, of the Pharisees, they would understand that in in Jewish society, yeast was synonymous with sin or corruption. So be on your guard against the sin and the corruption of the Pharisees. And then if they still didn't understand what Jesus was getting at, he just spelled it out to them, which is hypocrisy, wearing a mask, being a pretender. Now you'll remember if you were here last week that we looked through Luke chapter 11 verses 37 through 54 where Jesus just absolutely went off. (laughs) He got up in the face of the Pharisees and he exposed them for being religious hypocrites. And we identified five warning signs of hypocrisy, five things that we need to be mindful of in ourselves that we are not slipping into being a pretender. First of all, whenever you begin to care about your outward appearance to the neglect of the heart, you are slipping into hypocrisy. Secondly, whenever you begin to crave recognition for the things that you do for God, now, there's nothing wrong with someone who writes a book and people know who they are or sings or preaches or, or people know their name. There's nothing wrong with notoriety. But whenever you begin craving recognition for the things that you do for God, it's a warning sign that you can slip into hypocrisy. Number three, you teach a gospel of rules but the rules don't apply to you. Number four, you will use flattery to praise people to their face, but then whenever they leave your presence, you stab them in the back with your words. And number five, and this is something we need to remember about hypocrisy, people get hurt. People get hurt. And so I was, I was really mindful, as I preached last week, that there are many people that attend every service that throughout your lifetime you have been hurt, burned, stung by somebody who was a pretender, who wore the religious mask but was not truly sincere. I've had that happen in my own life. There was a pastor that I greatly admired whenever I was a young man in college and Found out later that he was really just a pretender. He, he was a fraud, and it left me feeling betrayed, and it really stung to have that moment occur. At the same time, we need to remember that hypocrisy is not the same thing as sin. Now, sin is wrong. Yet we should be mindful that we are all sinners. We all do things that we should not do. We are all nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody, right? We all fall short of the glory of God. We all do things that are wrong and you can be sincere in your faith and fall into sin i think of some of the biblical examples david a man who had a heart that pursued god he was very very sincere in his pursuit of god and yet he fell into sin i think about the apostle peter a man that became one of the leaders of the early church he was a leader within the disciples and yet on the night of christ's trial Peter fell into sin. A hypocrite is someone who pretends as if they do not sin. They pretend as if they are perfect in and of themselves, and they do not need the grace and forgiveness of God. And so the hypocrite will use rules, fear, secrecy, flattery, and good works. To hide the darkness of their heart. To be a hypocrite is to wear a mask. It is to pretend as if you are perfect when in reality you are not. And you pose yourself as self-righteous, refusing the grace of God and refusing to acknowledge that our righteousness is not found in and of ourselves. Our righteousness is found in Christ. And so you become a pretender. Now, if we were just gut-honest, there are times in each of our lives where we can fall into the trap of pretending. And so, I say to those in the room today that have a sincere desire to follow Christ, You want to be a disciple. You want to follow after Christ and be the person that He has called you to be. Understand this. You don't have to pretend. Jesus never called you to be perfect. He called you to trust in the One who is perfect. And God doesn't extend His love to you because of your loveliness. He extends His love to you in Christ. The call of Christ is to acknowledge our sin, place our faith in Him. When we place our faith in Christ, God sees us in Christ. So even though I am a sinner, I am unrighteous, I have done things that are wrong for which I need forgiveness, I am seen as righteous in Christ, and God loves me in Christ. And you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you aren't. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. You just need to be in Christ. And as a church, we don't want you trying to pretend to be a Pharisee or self-righteous. We are in this together. We are what we call a, a church family. Uh, we are not perfect people. If you've met someone today who is perfect, they must be a visitor. Okay? Okay. Because the people that go to church here, we're not perfect, all right? And we are a church family that comes together and we rejoice whenever we rejoice and we weep whenever we weep and whenever we struggle, we come alongside each other and say, Get up, let's keep going. That's not who you are, that's not who Christ has called you to be. And we're here to walk this journey with you because we want you to be the person that was fearfully and wonderfully made by God above so that your life. Life brings glory to him in every area, and you experience the reality of forgiveness, and you experience the reality of purpose and the deep joy of the goodness of his creation, and you live with a hope that goes beyond wishful thinking, but a hope that sees above the line of the temporal and is anchored to eternity. We're in this together. We're a church family. But Jesus says, watch out. Because lurking in every church, lurking in every family, lurking in every relationship is this, this, uh, this temptation to pretend. So he says, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, the difference between a lump of dough and a fluffy loaf of bread is a single-celled fungus called yeast. Now, I'm not an expert baker by any means whatsoever, but I studied this on the Internet, so you know that everything that I'm saying to you right now is factual. Uh, And as as I researched bread, I discovered that if you will mix flour, water, and yeast together, that the starches will begin to break down. It creates a reaction that breaks the starches down into sugars. And then the yeast will metabolize those sugars into alcohol and carbon dioxide. And there are little air bubbles that are in the dough that begin to be filled with the alcohol and carbon dioxide, and it creates explosions and ultimately a chain reaction. And so the baker will work the dough in order to create that process. And you bake the dough because the heat helps create that process. And eventually, the dough rises into a big, fluffy loaf of delicious, glutenful bread, right? So Jesus compares the work of yeast to hypocrisy. And he says, hypocrisy starts out small. It starts out private. But it never stays small. Hypocrisy will puff up the person in pride. And eventually that pride begins to metabolize so that the fungus of sin will begin to infect every area of you But it doesn't just affect you, it also affects every person in your area. So Jesus says, watch out for it. Watch out, disciples, that you don't live your life compromising yourself or compromising your faith in God in order to please the crowd. Watch out that you do not try to... Fit in with the theological bullies that are known as the Pharisees so that you can feel really good about yourself and your knowledge. The ride of pride begins the moment that you quit being a sinner saved by grace, and the ride of pride never affects just you. It will overflow the boundaries of you so that others will see it, smell it taste it and be hurt by it and when we become prideful and when we become pretenders the ones that we hurt the most are the ones that we love the most so Jesus says be on your guard he continues in verse 4 and I say to you my friends don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Now, pretenders are in a lot of areas of life. We find posers in church. We find them at work. Again, we find them in relationships. We've all met them they look the part but beneath the skin beneath the surface there's insincerity and pretenders are all about control now this is how they usually operate they usually operate by trying to gain your trust and favor by using flattery word flattery telling you how great you are complimenting you doing good deeds doing things for you and doing good deeds to try to win your trust. But whenever the motive behind the action and the words is not sincere, if you do not succumb to the leadership, to the dominance of the pretender, eventually the pretender will grow dark. And they will try to bully you. And they will try to bully you with rules, anger, and shame. And the goal is to get you to be afraid of them. Because if they can get you to be afraid, then they can keep you under their control. So Jesus says, there's no need to be afraid of the pretender. You don't need to be afraid of the pretender. You say, well, they may hurt me. Well, Jesus says, well, the greatest thing they can hurt, do to you is to hurt you in their life, in this life. But don't worry, because they will eventually be exposed. Eventually, the motives of their heart will be seen and heard by all. Instead, Jesus says, fear God. Fear God. Because He is the one that truly has power over life and death. He is the one that created all and sustains all. He is the one that is sovereign over all. And Jesus says, he can throw you in hell. Now, those are Jesus' words. I realize that we don't put those words on t t-shirt nearly as much, do we? Okay, But Jesus is telling you, hey, look, uh, God's the one that can throw you in hell. God's the one that has power over life and death. God is the one that is sovereign over all. And though people can manipulate and try to hurt you and try to tear you down, realize that they are still under the authority and power of God. The Pharisees conspired towards Christ's death. They were prominent players in manipulating the circumstances that led to the crucifixion of Jesus. But even as the Pharisees were working against Jesus, they were not working beyond the power of God, because God was working through it all to bring eternal life to you and me. Nothing that can be done to you by people escapes the power and the sovereignty of God. Now, there are times in your life and mine that we have to ask a simple question. Are you ready for the question? Do I fear God Or do I fear man? Do I fear God? Or do I fear man? Are you going to spend your entire life fearing what the crowd thinks of you? Are you going to spend your entire life trying to fit in with theological bullies and pretenders? And trying to pose as if you're perfect when in reality you know you're not? Are you going to err on the side of law or grace are you going to fear God? Or are you going to fear man? There are times in your life where you're going to need courage. You're going to need faith. You're going to walk into a situation where it's going to be really easy to fear a man. Are you going to fear God? Or are you going to fear man? You say, Lash, they, they can hurt me. They can take away things from me. They can, they can cause me harm. Yes, man can hurt you. There are things that they can do to you, but what they can do to you is only temporal. Do you fear God? Or do you fear man? Are you going to be the person that God has called you to be? Are you going to be the person of integrity and character and Christ-likeness that God has formed you to be? Or are you going to spend all your life conforming and compromising and being weak because you're scared? And here's the tragedy of this. A lot of times as we embrace our fears and and we, we, we compromise who we are in order to try to please everybody and fit in, we miss out on being who God has called us to be and we miss out on the opportunities that cause us to go beyond ourselves and to be attached to something that is bigger than ourselves. We miss out on life because we are so stinking afraid of life. You've got one life to live. One life to be the person that God has created you to be. Are you going to spend your whole life afraid? Are you going to live in faith and trust that you have a God who is in control of all things and you have just one primary goal in your life and that is to bring Him glory in all things and to believe that He will care for you no matter what life throws at you? Now, look at the next verse in verse 6. This is right after Jesus has said, Fear God because he's the one that can throw you into hell. And then he says this Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you are worth more than many sparrows. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The creator of all, the holy God, the one who is totally beyond us, who is in control of all things, also calls you and I to come to him as our Father. The powerful God loves you. The God that has control over your life and mine cares about you and he calls you to be his child to know that you can rest in his care to know that he has goodness and and love in mind for you because you are his dear child as immense as his power is so too is his love for you and me and Jesus says he loves you so much, he cares about the details so much that the very hairs of your head are all counted. Can you imagine that? Every hair on your head is counted. Some of you guys say, yeah, I can imagine that because I have like one hair It just wraps around my head a whole bunch of times. But the the theme here is that God cares about the details of your life and then he uses this illustration of, of the sparrow. Now a sparrow is a lonely bird. Rarely do you see sparrows in more than two. And people really don't think that they are very valuable. They're not worth that much. In fact, Jesus says you can go down to the Jerusalem Kroger and you can get you five sparrows for two pennies. The sparrow is a lonely bird. The sparrow is. Not worth very much. In Psalm 102, David was lamenting his enemies. He had enemies around him and he had hardship in his life. And he felt very, very alone. And he said in verse 7, I watch and am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. The little lonely bird sitting on top of the roof. All by himself. You see, fearing God and not man can be a bit lonely sometimes. It can cause you to feel a little bit all alone. Because it will cause you to go against the crowd. The pretenders in the crowd will attack you. There are times whenever you fear God and not man that people will laugh at you. They'll laugh at your values. Laugh at your beliefs. Perhaps even categorize you. Say that your thinking that is anchored in Scripture is worthless to a modern society. But as you sit as the sparrow alone on the housetop, house Know this, you're not alone. God's eye is on you. You matter. And you're valuable to the one who matters. As powerful as God is, He loves you. He cares about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what that means. There's a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. There's a reason why you take up space and take in air. God has designed you, and you are a custom-made creation of God. As a child of God, when you believe in Him, you have a gift that comes from the Spirit of God to be used to expand the kingdom of God. God has a role for you to play. Don't let the crowd steal that joy from you. Don't let fear rob you of being the person that God has called you to be. Don't let pretenders keep you from authenticity and the genuineness of the Christian life. There is a role for you to play. There is an opportunity for you to be a part of. Now sometimes we have to see above the line. Sometimes we have to look beyond the circumstances. And we have to understand who we are in relation to God. And we have to remind ourselves of what God has said in His Word. And when we're able to go above the line, it frees us to go beyond, below the line. To live life here. To live life here with a radical freedom. Freedom. You see, what is peddled as hope by society today is usually just wishful thinking. I hope for a better day tomorrow. I hope for something uh, to go better next year or the year after that. But it's it's all handcuffed by the temporary. Because at the end of all these wishes and hopes... We still die. But Christian hope is uniquely different because Christian hope causes us to go above the line, to realize who we are in God, to realize who we are in Christ, to realize why it is that we are here, to bring a singleness of purpose into our life that desires to bring glory to God in any circumstance of our life, to fear God in all things, not man. And whenever we understand who we are in Christ, why we are here, It allows us to come back into this life and experience the deep goodness that is here to live life on purpose, with joy, with forgiveness, in relationship, to find joy, to find our meaning in Christ. The most freed people in the world are the ones that have learned not to fear man, but to fear God. To fear God and to keep His commandments, that is the beginning of all knowledge said Solomon. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Be who He has called you to be and you will be radically free to live life on purpose like nobody else. God brings grace to the rules and Christ brings outstretched arms to the anger. The Holy Spirit brings forgiveness and love to the shame and there is no need the fear the pretenders their power is at best temporary god's power is real real enough to overcome the fears of today with hope that lasts forever so you don't need to pretend you don't need to try to fit in and just be like the crowd you don't need to be frightened You just need to rest. Rest in the one who saves you, loves you, sustains you, now and forevermore. And as you rest in Him, you find out who you are in Him. And He gives you strength and wisdom and power to live your one and only life with a radical faith that frees you to live forgiven. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads to come to a time of commitment? I'm here at the front. If there's anything that I can pray with you about, encourage you with, it's always my joy to do so. The altar's always open during this time if you want to come and pray. You can come and pray. You can pray at your seat. Musicians are going to lead us in a time of worship. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you today, and I pray, Father, for those that are hurting, you might bring comfort. For those that are ill, may you bring healing. For those that are lonely, may you bring love. Pray for those that are not living their life because they're captured by fear. I pray, Lord, that you might drain that fear and fill them with faith. I pray, Father, for those that are tempted to wear a mask and just pretend that we will refuse that, that we will be authentic and genuine and realize that our identity is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we won't miss the life that you've given us. Help us not to miss life because we're scared. Help us not to miss life because we're wanting somebody else's life. Help us, Lord, not to miss life because we're so busy surfing our phones or watching things that don't really matter that we miss out on the few things in life that really do matter. God, give us courage to fear you and not man. Give us wisdom to know when we need to swim against the current. Father, help us not to cower in fear, but may we have a humble courage that pushes through fear towards faith. Lord, I pray for the individual that is struggling. I pray that they might know that You are with them and that You haven't given up on them. And Father, I pray that we might be a church That doesn't give up on anybody either. That walks with people during the good times and bad. That's a family. That realizes that we are in this together. And Father, from every circumstance, from every relationship, from every life that is here. May glory be brought to your name. So that your fame increases to all the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we worship you. Amen.